Thank you. You can be seated. Um, at this time, I'm going to sing a special Statue of Liberty. Praise the Lord. We find so many things that are wrong in our country. But our country was founded on principles, principles of the Bible, principles that would have bring would have brought rather freedom to this country, freedom to those people who organized this country, freedom that would have built everything that we have in our country. And I wonder today, where are all the patriots? Where are all the people who built this country? Where are all the great thinkers? I'm not talking about great thinkers who build computers and ushered in the technological age. I'm talking about the people who truly built this country, 
blue-collar workers who worked so hard in factories to make steel to build skyscrapers. People who built great, great types of buildings through death and through peril themselves. The Golden Gate Bridge, for instance. Even the Empire State Building. And then later on, a building that was destroyed because of terrorists. I think of this country and I think of, of how important it is to be a Christian. Because these people who built this country, they were Christians. Now, not every one of them believed in God. But those that came here originally, they did believe in God. And they came here for the purpose of bringing freedom to their families. Not tyranny that they had been forced to believe in before that. Not forced to believe and, and say things that they did not stand for themselves. To bow to a king. We're only to, to bow to King Jesus today. We're not to bow to any man today, nor any other person. And yet today there are so many people bowing to the, to the democracy that is in our world and the false things that are here. We have in our country today a, a government which, um, in my opinion, should be thrown out. Amen. We have, in my opinion today, a government that when they make laws, they're, they're making laws for themselves and not for the people. The government was for the people to begin with. It was not for them. And today we have so many things that are wrong in our country. Now, where did that all begin? It began right here. The churches began to start losing their values. They began to start... Uh, stopping to put their input in. They began to quit voting. They began to stop their rights that they had to oppose things. Now, we don't have to oppose something and tear something down when we oppose it, but we still should stand for the right of the Bible, amen, and the right of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We should honor God in all things that we do. And as we do that, friends, we need to remember the sacrifices that were made in building this country our military and all the forms of our military how that they have fought for our country to keep our country safe and strong and free and because of that we have people today that can voice their own opinions they can push their lifestyles in front of us and yet they fight against the very thing that gave them that freedom Dear friends, we've got to stand up as Christians. We've got to quit being the silent partners in America and start standing up for our God and for our country. If we do not, our country will continue to fall apart. Our, our, our military has been lessened so much now that if we ever got into another war, how sad it would be. Military bases have been closed all across this country. They say because we don't have money, but then they'll spend money on ridiculous, ludicrous things in our world. So how then do we not have the capabilities? How then do we not have the money? It's because of, pardon my expression, stupid people leading our country. Amen? So I've got a few things I want to share with you today. Today I've laid up here on the communion table a Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States of America. What this country was built upon, the principles that this country was built upon. I want to share a few thoughts with you from some of our founding fathers. <clears throat> from the Federalist newspapers uh, that was written back with uh, Alexander Hamilton, uh, John Jay, and James Madison, they write this, if angels were to govern men, neither external nor internal controls on government would be necessary. In framing a government which is to be administered by men over men, the great difficulty lies in this. You must first enable the government to control the governed and in the next place oblige it to control itself. Our government does not even control itself anymore. And this is exactly what our country, the, one of the first principles it was based upon. 
George Washington said this to the Constitutional Convention delegates. He says, If to please the people we offer what we ourselves disapprove, how can we afterwards defend our work? And I think about the things that have been voted on and passed here in the last few years of same-sex marriage and all the, uh, the, the liberalism that's out there today. And I go back to this thought. If we... If to please the people we offer what we ourselves disapprove, how can we afterwards defend our work? Let us raise a standard to which the wise and honest can repair. The event is in the hands of God. And that was by George Washington, our very first president. George Washington also, on his um, inaugural address that he made when he was sworn in, uh, George Washington said this. He says, I shall take my present leave, but not without restoring once more to the benign parent of human race an humble supplication that since he has been pleased to favor the American people with opportunities for deliberating in perfect tranquility and dispositions for deciding with unparalleled un un unanimity on a form of government for the security of their union and the advancement of their happiness so his divine blessing may be equally conspicuous in the enlarged views, the temperate consultations, and the wise measures on which the success of this government must depend. Do you know that even today that is still the same statement that is made by each president that is sworn in? Sadly, with the passing of time, this oath of affirmation has lost its value. I'm sure when George Washington stated these words, there were people in the crowd that stood up and heralded and jumped up and down and were praising God for this. Today it seems like it's a joke. George Washington also said this as the adoption to the Constitution was made. He said it will demonstrate as visibly the finger of providence as any possible event in the course of human affairs can ever designate it. Daniel Webster, uh, if you have ever looked in Webster's Dictionary, I invite you to get the real Daniel Webster Dictionary, the 1828 version, and you'll find scripture references in it. You'll find the truth. It won't be this uh, thing that has come out of that. But Daniel Webster says this, I regard it, the Constitution, as the work of the purest patriots and wisest statesmen that ever existed aided by the smiles of a benignant, which means gracious, providence. It almost appears a divine interposition in our behalf. Benjamin Franklin, who was not heralded to be a Christian, he stated this, I have so much faith in the general government of the world by providence that I can hardly conceive a transaction of such momentous importance as the framing of the Constitution should be suffered to pass without being in some degree influenced, guided, and governed by that benef uh, beneficent ruler in whom all inferior spirits live and move and have their being. You know who he was talking about without saying it? God. John Adams said this. He said, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. That's why they're trying to take things out of it now. That's why they're trying to change it, dear friends. Samuel Adams said this, The sum of all of us, if we would most truly enjoy the gift of heaven, let us become a virtuous people. Then shall we both deserve and enjoy it. While on the other hand, if we are universally vicious and debauched in our manners, through the form of our Constitution carries the face of the most exalted freedom, we shall in reality be the most abject slaves. Once again, George Washington, in his farewell address, he says this, Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, these firmest props of the duties of men and citizens. Let it simply be asked, where is the security for property? 
for reputation, for life. If the sense of religious obligation desert the oaths, which are the instruments of investigation in the courts of justice. And then I remind you of Thomas Jefferson who stated this, all tyranny needs to gain a foothold is for people of good conscience to remain silent. For years and years, Christians have remained silent. And no wonder our country is in the way it is. My heart breaks. I'm emotional today because of this. Because the very freedoms that I grew up believing have been stripped away from us. The very essence of the gospel, it seemingly has been removed from our churches. And our church services of today seem to be more, no more than just a, an entertainment type of a section. But we gather together and we sway a little bit and we wave our arms back and forth and we sing Kumbaya and, and we're okay from that. And we leave the place and then we say in our restaurants that we go to, oh, what a good service we had in church today. Do you know what makes a good service in church? That God's Spirit speaks to you. And when God's Spirit is able to speak to us in the service, that means that God's Word has been lifted up, that God's Word has been magnified to each and every one of us, that we ourselves can feel the Spirit and the power of God. God tells us in His Word that we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That is true worship, friends. It is not the swaying and the moving and all this contemporary mess that is in our world today. We stand upon the fundamentals of our truths, the fundamentals of the Word of God, the fundamentals that are written in these two papers right here. Amen. And if we cannot stand upon those, dear friends, we are not truly Americans. And if we cannot stand upon this book here, these pages that are written in this King James Bible, then we cannot truly say that we are Christian. Because these standards and these principles mean more to us than anything, dear friends. It's what allows us to have a county fair. It's what allows us to show cows. Amen? It's what allows us to have a, a cookout yesterday. It's what allows us to take a tractor, Brother Joey, and, and pull some great weights behind it. It's what allows us, Mallory, she's not in here right now, but to take a little car and race around a track. It's what allows you today when you leave this place to go to the grocery store if you so desire. It's what allows this grocery store to actually be in existence. Our freedoms. And they have been attacked. They have been attacked for so many years. They were attacked from the very beginning. And they've been attacked since that time. The devil attacks each and every one of us today the same way. So I want to speak to you this morning on the simple subject of contenders for the faith. You and I, we need to make sure that we're contending for the faith. If you would, take your Bible and turn with us to Jude chapter 1. Jude chapter 1. And since there is only one chapter, you shouldn't have a problem finding that one. Jude chapter 1. And I want you to look... Let's begin reading in verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you all of the common salvation... It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Now, fathers, we come and bow before your precious throne. I am so thankful that I have a privilege to pray to you, Lord, a privilege that you have given us through salvation, a privilege that you have given us through the a vicarious death upon the cross and the resurrection back into heaven. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that I still have this privilege here in America. And I ask, Lord, that you might help us, Lord, not to take these privileges that we have from you or from this country lightly. And I ask you, Father, that you might 
encourage us today through this lesson. Help us, Father, to be mindful of, of the things in our life, be mindful of, of what we are and who we are, and, Father, whose we are, that when we leave this place today that we can still be reminded of those things and honor you, Lord, and lift you up and still be Christian. So, Father, help us. Help us, Lord, to be real today. Help us, Lord, not to be fake, not to put on some facade for church on Sunday and on Monday be the devil. But, Father, help us to live that life, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but, Father, help us to honor you each and every day of our lives and be the true witness that we should be. And then, Father, help us then to be the American Christians that you have desired us to be to help keep this country free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Contenders for the faith, I believe today that Independence Day should not be forgotten. Independence Day should not be forgotten, but another thing that should not be forgotten is why we, we have Independence Day and what we're independent from. We, of course, were, became independent from England and, of course, the king and, and what he told us and the rights that they had there were basically no rights except for what the king told them they could have. Today we have rights, we have liberties, and we enjoy those things each and every day. I mean, how sadly it is that we take for granted today the liberties that we have just to get up in the mornings and to drive to work on, on roads that have been paved and, and roads that are worthy of us to drive on. Roads that are kept up by organizations, uh, roads that are taken care of by those same organizations. And then we go to buildings that have been built and, and work at plants and work at factories and offices and all the manner of things that we have to go to work at today. And we do all these things through liberty today. Liberty has given us so much today. And we want to make sure that we ensure those same liberties continue in our world. We need to be defensive in our mode, if you will. As we live in this world, as we go to work, as we do the things that, that we've been called to do by God, we need to be defensive in the mode that we go about doing those things. We stand as Christians, and again, I say this to you today, it's time that Christians quit being lily-livered and yellow-backed and, and start standing up with a strong heart and a, and a straight back and a sturdy back and standing up against the oppositions that, face, that we're faced with, that defensive mode. You never know when the devil is going to attack you, and the devil attacks us today through so many different things in our world and in our societies. He attacks your children your children are being attacked through uh, social media. You are being attacked through social media. They're being attacked through these video games that they play every single day or off and on. You say, preacher, my children don't play those games. Praise God that they don't. You're being attacked through the visualization that we see on our billboards, that you see through TV commercials and, and newspaper commercials and ads that are there. I was speaking to someone the other day, and there was a day that when you watched a television program, the man slept in one bed, the woman slept in the other bed, and now you see them and they're completely without clothes on in the same bed on commercials of today. And it's not just men and women together. Now you have commercials where men and men are together and women and women are together. What has happened? What has happened to our country? What has happened to our values? What has happened to what we stood upon? And I go back to the things that we read a few moments ago. When we become silent and stay silent, these things come into place. We need to contend for the faith. Now, when we contend for the faith, it becomes laborious. That means there's a little bit of labor involved in it. It means that we're going to have to work at it, right? Anything that's worth doing is worth working at. Amen? That's what I was always taught. And I believe that it's worth bringing our Lord and our Savior, making Him number one again in our churches, making Him number one again in our families, making Him number one again in our country, and making our country number one in this world again. Amen? I think it's worth that. 
And I think there's a labor that needs to be intensified so that that can happen. First of all, I want you to notice today the nature of our labor. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, God states, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward His name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Listen, dear friends, we need to be out there ministering each and every day. We're not just ministering here from this pulpit. We're not just ministering here on Sunday nights. We're not just ministering in Bible study. You yourselves need to be out ministering to people. You need to be out in the the congregations of the world and telling them about Jesus. It's vital. It's what happened when our country began. God rewards His laborers is what He's telling us in Hebrews there. He rewards us with blessings. He rewards us physically. He rewards us spiritually. But we want to point out to you also, but that should not be the reason that we serve Him. I'm not here to serve God today because He gives me blessings. I'm not here today because I'm physically able to stand here in this pulpit today. I'm not here because I know the Spirit of God lives within me. I'm here because I owe it to God for everything that He has done for me. His his very own Son that He gave to die and bleed for each and every one of us that our sins might be purified, that our sins might be cleansed, that our lives might be able to visit heaven one day. The nature of our labor should be a nature that's called love. We bring the gospel to you. We try to present it to you in in a form of love. We try to give you love, but the world has given you a strange sense of love. They've given you an understanding that love is something that is not really what the Bible says. And so our children are growing up today believing that love is something different than what God says. And so when they begin to accept those thoughts, when you teach them from the Bible what it is, they say, oh, well, that's not what Mama and Daddy taught me. That's not what they taught me at school. That's not what I see on the television, preacher. The love that we are to give unto each and every person is a love that God brings into us, that agape love. It's a sacrificial love. We love because He first loved us. Amen. So it's a nature. A nature that we are to bring upon ourselves. It's, it, it's, it's a labor that we are to bring into our world. And we're to do it in a loving way. In, in a sacrificial way. In other words, do not say, I cannot come to church because I have this to do. Or I cannot go out witnessing. I cannot go out and knock on my neighbor's door and tell them about Jesus. I cannot just show them love by inviting them over for supper one night. Even though I really don't care for these neighbors, I'm going to invite them over anyway. Because I want to show them the love of God. The religious world in Jesus' physical day on this earth, when he came to this earth, he was here on this earth and he worked on this earth and he loved people. But there were people that he disliked. The Pharisees and their religious ways and how they uh, just put him down, how they did not believe in him or trust in him. That had to hurt him physically. But you never saw him saying, I will not go to these Pharisees. He did go to them, didn't he? In fact, he told them at one time, you're nothing but a generation of vipers. He tells us today, friend, through his own sacrifice, through his own willingness, through his own example, he shows us what we're to do, that there is a labor, it is a labor of love, and we must go out to these people and share them these things. You see, what's happened to our country is that's quit. It used to be that way, where people went out in love and they shared with each other. You know, uh, there used to be something called a sense of community. Now when you talk about a sense of community, you're talking about lesbians or gays or something of that nature. There needs to be a sense of community in our world today. A sense where... It's okay for our children to ride the bikes down the street and ride the bikes with the other neighbors down the road. Do you remember when that was safe in your community to do? Anybody? I used to get on my bike and I'd ride down the road. In fact, when we had chicken houses and that we worked in and 
uh, I drive, ride my bike 12 miles one way to go to work at the chicken house that evening, drive my bike 12 miles back the other way. Mom and Dad were not worried about us because they knew that the area we lived in, the communities that we lived in and worked in, that they were a safe community. But today, can you actually take your children out and let them ride uh, not even 12 miles but a half a mile down the road and feel like they're safe? When we were kids and boys, we would get out in the woods and climb trees and swing from tree to tree. Now you're afraid to let your children go outside and get in the woods because you don't know what pervert might be lurking around the tree out back. You see what I'm talking about, friends? We need to contend for our faith. Our faith is, has not been in our thoughts. It's not been at the forefront of our lives for so long that so many things have gone wrong in our world. So many things have gone wrong in our country, even in the state of Pennsylvania, which was one of the original 13 colonies. I've lived in Virginia. I've lived in North Carolina. I've lived in South Carolina and now Pennsylvania four of the th original 13 colonies. And in each one of those, dear friends, I have found that the, the Word of God and the dissension from the Word of God has continued all out through the years. This nature, this labor that we have, this love that we should be giving, contending for our faith. Now, how secondly can it be done? Well, notice the motive of our, of our labor. What is the... What is the, the motive for doing these things? What is the motive for getting out and talking to people and, and sharing these things with people? Well, the number one motive is, is salvation. You know, the motive uh, each and every day when you get up and go to work, whether you work in a chiropractic office or, or whether you work in a, a dental office or whether you work in a factory in an office or whether you work in the church office, or whether you drive a truck, you know. I'm looking around the room. I know some of you where you work at now, amen. <laughs> or whether you're a, ho a homemaker, a pastor's wife, a widow. There needs to be something there each and every day when we step up out of our beds. The first thought on our minds, the motive on our hearts should be salvation. Who can I tell about Jesus today? Who can I tell about Jesus today? Will it be the one that brings the feed to our, to our turkey houses? Will it be the one who comes and cleans our turkey houses out? Will it be the, the man that I stand beside of holding the sign that says stop and go? <laughs> Brother, I know you don't do that. I know you sit in the truck now. <laughs> Bless your heart, Mike. <laughs> he, he just now got it. <laughs> oh, friends, salvation should be the first thing on our thoughts. It should be the prayer that we pray to the Lord every single morning. Lord, who will you let pass by my way that I can tell about you? Who, who will you let me water or fertilize or plant a seed in or reap a harvest at today? Will it, will, will it be the neighbor down the street? Will it be that, that, that friend I work with that I've been working with for so long? Will it be that person down at JLG that, that I have been trying to be a good witness in front of and, and trying my best to do that? Will it be that person today, Lord? Will they come to me and say, Will you tell me about your Jesus today? Salvation. Psalm 27, verses 1 and 2 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? <laughs> I think we're afraid of people today, aren't we? At least we act like it. We're afraid to speak to them, and we shy back, and, you know, we cower back, and, well, they don't want to hear about my Jesus. They don't want to hear about Jesus. And so we back up, and we say, no, I won't tell them. He continues there, and he says, the Lord is the strength of my life. That's where our strength comes from. That's where the ability comes from to tell someone about Jesus. He goes on here 
And he tells us there, of whom shall I be afraid? There's no one in this world, dear friends, that any of us should ever really be afraid of when God is on your side. And God is leading you and guiding you. Yeah, there are all kinds of things in our world today. There are terrorists out there. There are terrorist attacks in our country probably every single day that you never even know anything about. But listen, dear friend, if we truly know God, if we truly trust in God, there's nothing that we should ever be afraid of. Share the Word of God. We need to work to keep what freedoms we still have. And so while you're at work, share Jesus. Amen? You say, well, my boss won't allow me to bring my Bible in. Well, then that's good. Don't take your Bible in when you go out to break and you're sitting there on the property or if you're sitting on the property and they won't allow you to use your Bible or witness on the property, ask that coworker, can I come by your house this afternoon and talk to you? Amen? Are we so afraid that we can't do things like that anymore? Isn't our country still partially free? We can do that, friends. You can call them up on the phone and say, Hey, I saw you at work today, and uh, I was reading my Bible when I was in my car, and I got to thinking about you, and I just want to let you know I was praying for you today. Say, so, Well, I don't have their phone number. Well, look it up in the phone book. Amen? Well, they don't have landlines. They have cell numbers. Well, then go to the Google then and look it up there. <laughs> Stay away from the Googles. <laughs> oh, mercy, mercy. <laughs> the motive of our labor should be salvation. What should be the strength of our labor? Well, that should be Jesus. You know what gives me strength to stand in this pulpit today? is Jesus. What gives me strength to every single day to come over to the church and, and work in the office and visit people and talk to people and share with people about Jesus. It is Jesus who gives me that strength. Jesus. Our energy comes from the sun up here on this earth, right? But our energy in our spiritual way comes from the S-O-N, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's our strength. Jesus provides the fuel to keep us in the race. He's our provider. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 tells us there that we receive power. He says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. Our strength comes from the Lord. Our power comes from heaven, friend. And if you're not connected to the, to the heavenlies, if you're not connected to the heavenlies through Jesus Christ, then, then you're at, at a lost in the beginning. So you must be connected. How do I get connected, preacher? Well, you get connected by coming and confessing your sins before a holy and a righteous God, not being afraid of that holy and righteous God, but kneeling down and asking that God who has created you, Lord, I know I've sinned. I know I've disobeyed you. God, I accept the fact that I've done this, and I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. Lord, forgive me, please. And God does something wonderful if you truly mean that in your heart. He does a work, a miraculous work in your heart. And he immediately changes your heart. And the sin that is there in your heart that wrecked your lives, that was robbing you of the power of God is now removed away. And now the power of God begins to come into your heart and the Holy Spirit invades your body, if you will. Invades your heart and takes control of your heart. And you now can pray that prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And you get up from that prayer and you turn to the congregation or you turn to whomever led you to the Lord and you say to that person and that congregation, I am now saved. Do you know where you're going when you die? I'm going to heaven. Amen. True salvation. And it's really simple. It's as simple as that. But now living for the Lord, God wants us not just to be saved, but he also wants us to live for him. That's why he gives us power. Because he knows in the world that we live that the devil is in control. And he ha- the devil hates Christians. And he wants us to live for him, so he gives us power so that we can defeat that old devil. So we have the nature of our labor. We have the motive of our labor. 
We have the strength of our labor. And in closing today, I want you to notice that we should be fighting for our religious liberties. That is the labor that we are to have. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Do not be afraid of the devil. Now, the devil is no joke. And I will dare say that not any of us in this world have actually ever faced the devil. We faced his demons, the demonic forces that are out there. But the devil is very wily. He's very wise. He's cunning. He's deceptive. And he sends his cohorts out to do his bidding and his will. And they come to you and they tap you on the shoulder. And they say, you don't need to go to church Sunday. You need to go to the lake because you're tired and you're wore out. Your family is tired and wore out and they need some family time. You don't need to read your Bible because your eyes are so tired. You've been looking at that paperwork all day long. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you a while ago that you really don't need to go to church Wednesday night neither because they're just going to be doing the same thing they always do. So you know it already. Don't go. Let's just quit going to church altogether. Isn't that what the devil does to us? Am I telling you a lie today or am I telling you the truth? The devil, the devil stands against us and fights against us every day. But listen, dear friend, we don't have to be afraid of that enemy. When the devil comes and he knocks on our door, just take that fist that you got and turn right around and smack him upside his head. Amen? You say, preacher, that won't work. Well, then take your foot and kick him out. Amen? He don't have to be in your household. Open the back door and let him go out with the trash. Amen? Because that's all he's bringing in your life anyway is trash. Stick him in that hefty bag. Amen? And then if that ain't good enough, stick him in your glad bag. And you'll be glad that he's gone. Amen? <laughs> oh, boy. We're having fun now, aren't we? Jesus, Jesus is our power, and because of that, we can fight for that religious freedom, we can fight for our Christian freedom, and we can fight against the devil because we're not afraid of him. Get plugged into the power source. Amen. Um, some of us probably need to change our spiritual receptacles because after you get plugging in, plugging out, plugging in, plugging out. That receptacle gets a little loose on the inside. I know a little bit about electric works and things, electricity. And sometimes you've got to replace that receptacle so that when you push that plug in, it stays firm. So that when you walk by that plug later on in your house and you see that cord hanging half out and you push it back in and tomorrow you go by and you've got to push it back in again. That's the same thing in our Christian life. Listen, dear friend, we need to change some things in our Christian life. We need to make sure we're plugged in. But if that receptacle is not strong enough to hold that, that power source, listen, brothers and sisters, it'll be a mess in your life. It's time to change some things out. And get some things right with God. I look over here in Jude chapter 1 and verse 17. My Bible tells me here he's exhorting things to believers. And he says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I say to you, dear friends, do you remember what has been spoken to you? Do you remember what God has given you all these last few years of your life? Do you remember what our forefathers told us? We're not to forget these things. We're not to forget about the fact that, that these two pieces of paper up here are here for a reason. We the people. Still chokes me up. Of the United States in order to form a more perfect union.
hard to read this in my writing. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another. Hmm. I won't read it all because we'll be here for a long time. And my eyesight's not that good today. Contend for the faith. Let's start fighting. Amen. I mean, put on your boxing gloves spiritually. Tighten them down. Tie them up, whatever it takes. I mean, get in the ring. Get in the spiritual ring and start, start doing battle. Amen. Quit sitting by the wayside. Quit just being spectators. The Bible tells us that we're to be imitators of Christ as dear children. And we're to do these things, dear friends, instead of being a spectator on the sidelines watching other people be the imitators. Get involved. Become a part of what God wants us to do. It is said that 80% of the work in a church is done by 20% of the people. Sadly enough, that same statement has been said all of my life. I think that needs to change, amen? Wouldn't it be good if it was the other way around and it was the 80%, you know? And I'm saying this to you, friends. If you're working already and you're doing things for God, please don't quit. Because sometimes there's nobody to take your place. So don't quit. Keep going. Keep fighting the battle. I know it gets tiresome. I'm a pastor. I've been pastoring for years and years. I know it gets tiresome. When you preach Sunday after Sunday and you see people doing the same things over and over and over and you just told them about it in that Sunday morning's message. Yes, it gets tiresome. Do I quit, though? Should you quit? No. We keep on fighting, amen? Because one day... Somebody might walk down this aisle and say, Preacher, I, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I don't, I don't want the world to be the Lord of my life. I want Jesus to be the Lord. And when we begin to learn the Lordship of Jesus Christ and get that part fixed in our lives, wow, what can we do for the Lord then? Great and mighty things. Friends, two questions. Do you know Jesus? And second question, if you know Jesus, are you living for him? Let's bow for prayer. Fathers, we come before your blessed throne of grace. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Father, we know today that all things are possible with you. We also know that you've told us many, many times in your word that, you're, that you love us. Lord, that you care for us, and Lord, you're with us on a daily basis. And Father, I'm, I'm alarmed. I'm alarmed at our American churches today. I'm alarmed at our America, what it has become. And Father, I'm alarmed that we don't have more Christians standing up and speaking forth for you. So Father, help to grow some out of this congregation. Maybe some young man or some young woman will rise up and maybe be the next president of this United States and lead our country in a proper way. Maybe there'll be a next senator or a governor or some form of, of politician that could help our world. Or maybe they'll grow up and be a Christian doctor or a Christian attorney or a Christian housewife, a Christian husband to raise their families the proper way. I ask these things of you, Lord, because I know that you can make it happen. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We ask Sister Heather to come. Candace is already here. Asking you today, if God has spoken to you, please respond. If you would, please stand today. Would you like to take America back? Amen. If you truly want to take America back today, I'm asking every one of you, if you can, come to this altar today and pray ask God to help you to be one of the ones that helps take America back for God
Let's be the soldiers that we sung about earlier. Onward, Christian soldiers. Amen. Can you do that today? If you're physically able, I'm asking you to come as she begins to sing. What number? 550 today. Would you come? 550. Let's take America back for God today. Let's pray unto Him. Let's praise Him today. Let's honor Him today. Let's do this for Him. That's what's most important. Father, as we come before your throne. Lord, we in this church, in Calvary Independent Baptist Church, Father, we in the McConnellsburg, Pennsylvania community, we seek your guidance, we seek your leadership to show us, Father, what we must do to take America back for you. And Father, we beg you, and, Father, we know that you desire this from us. Help us, Lord, to share Christ. Help us, Lord, to do that sometimes which may be out of our comfort zone to do. Help us, Lord, to honor you that way. Father, help me as pastor to be the right pastor, to be the right type of pastor, to honor you and to live in front of these people the life that I should live. Help this congregation, Father, to be the congregation that would follow that pastor. Follow that pastor into battle to fight against the tyranny of this world. To fight against the, the very devil that, Lord, was cast out of heaven. That one day will be cast into the bottomless pit. Father, help us to do that this day. Allow your Holy Spirit to help us to bind us together as families and not just families individually, but families of a church, Lord. That we can be the community that we need to be. And show the people here in McConnellsburg, Lord, that, that Christ is alive and that America is worth saving. We ask this now in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless each one of you. I appreciate you all today. Y'all would sometime today, I'll leave these up here, come by and take a look at these. Just copies, it's not the real thing, they wouldn't let me take them. <laughs>